to the Less Stress Family Podcast, where we believe you are fallible and what you do matters. This is episode 148. I am Justin. And I am Shauna Wood. How are you, honey? I am fantastic. How are you? I am great. It's a beautiful day outside, and I just sent all the kids outside to go run and play. <laughs> Which is always good, until yes. they start yelling outside our window. <laughs> Which could happen. Could happen. Um, thank you for listening out there. I hope you're having an awesome day. Um, today's topic, we're going to take a chapter out of Extreme Ownership. This is chapter two. It says there's no bad teams, only bad leaders. And that hurts. And the reason why we're doing this podcast is I need to be reminded of this a lot. Because it's so easy, I feel like, in the world today to start blaming everybody else for everything else. Whatever your problem is, it's someone else's fault. That's how you should live your life, right? <laughs> and that is what we're seeing in traditional media and social media just all over the place right now. Yeah, it's somebody else's fault for everything in the world. And so <clears throat> my whole my whole point of doing this episode is really just for me, <laughs> that I am the leader, at least of myself, and I'm the leader of this family. And so it is very important for me to get my act together, and that starts with my head, (laughs) get my head, my thinking on straight. So I hope this really helps you because um, this is an awesome book, Extreme Ownership. We did chapter one review um, some time ago, one episode some time ago. Um, It's a great book uh, written by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, and they were SEAL team members. And they did a lot of awesome SEAL team. You know, that's the the Navy special operations guys who do a lot of secret ninja stuff. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, I just want everybody, like nobody needs to tune out when they hear leader. Because I think a lot of times we don't, people don't consider themselves leaders. But the truth is, even if you are not leading in an official position at work, or if you are single and don't have children and don't really think about yourself as a leader in family, you are leading yourself. And the number of people who watch you and observe how you act is incredible. So you are leading even if you're, you don't have any of those official titles. Right, and I think that's part of our problem in our world is that people wait for a title before they become a leader. (laughs) And if you just develop your leadership skills, regardless of whatever title, like I guarantee you the titles will come if you you develop yourself that way. So this chapter, I'm just going to kind of summarize the story um, that's in this chapter. It starts with Hell Week, and Hell Week is when they take, it's, it's one of many steps in the process to become a Navy SEAL. It's not the only step. And they just, you've seen documentaries on TV. They just put the guys out in the ocean and like almost freeze them to death with hypothermia. And they do all these crazy, just ridiculous drills over and over again because they're trying to basically weed out the people. Because a lot of those people are just amazing athletes and amazing and all these amazing skills, but they just don't have the mental toughness to like, I'm just not giving up, that kind of thing. So they're trying to find the guys who are basically like, I will not give up. So they put them in teams 
and as they go through, and they're called, I guess, boat crews, it says here. Um, and it says here, um, they will do all these just ridiculous races, and they will, so the leaders of each team will go to the instructor, and he'll say something like this. This is from the book. It says, uh, paddle your boats out through the surf zone, dump boat, paddle your boats down to the next beach marker, then paddle them back into the beach, run up and over the berm and around the, bur- uh, the beach marker, then head carry back to the rope station, then over the berm and finish here, commanded the SEAL instructor. Got it. The boat crew leaders race back and brief their boat crews. Then the race began. Uh, in place of the traditional race at go, the SEAL command to begin was standby, bust them, and they were off. So uh, in every race, it says there were standout performers. Throughout this particular week, one boat crew dominated the competition, boat crew two. And it talks about how once they kept winning all these races, and as when they won, they, they got a break. They got a little bit of break from all the chaos that was happening. Um, it says, meanwhile, back to the book, it says, meanwhile, Boat Crew 6 was de- delivering a standout performance of a different kind. They placed dead last in virtually every race, often lagging far behind the rest of the class. Rather than working together as a team, the men were operating as individuals, furious and frustrated at their teammates. Does that sound familiar? Uh, we heard them yelling and cursing at each other from some distance, accusing the others of not doing their part. Each boat crew member focused on his own individual pain and discomfort, and the boat crew leader was no exception. He certainly recognized that they were underperforming, but likely in his mind and the, that of his boat crew, no amount of effort could change that, and their horrific performance was the result. So basically, they got severely warned, like, hey guys, you're almost out of here, uh, you're not, you can't hack this, you know. Um, so the leader, well, he goes through, you just need to get the book. Um, so one of the senior instructor guys who's over, you know, the senior chief guy, he says, I've got this idea. Let's swap out to the book, set, back to the book here. Let's swap out the boat crew leaders from the best and the worst crews and see what happens. So they switched boat crew number two who had been just destroying everybody with boat crew number six who was being destroyed because every time they lost, they had to do more punishment basically was uh, given to them. So, so they switched leaders. You can imagine <laughs> how that would feel. Um, so, um, yeah. So, I'll just skip through here. A miraculous, back to the book here, sorry. A miraculous turnaround had taken place. Boat crew six had gone from last place to first. The boat crew members had begun to work together as a team and won. Boat crew two still performed well, though they narrowly lost the race. They continued they continue to challenge boat crew six for the lead in the fall, follow, following races. And each of these boat crews outperformed all the rest, with boat crew six winning most of the races over the better part of the next hour. So, they took the worst team that was struggling and they switched the leaders. And that was it. Ouch. <laughs> I love this story. I love this story for so many different reasons. And I wish that I had film to be able to hear the talk that the captains gave to their teams when that leader from the winning team went to the losing team. I wish I could hear what he said initially. Yeah. So you just need to get this book because it's just, it's just awesome. But, um, 
it says this principle from the about face. Well, I just finished that book not too long ago uh, from Colonel David Hackworth. It's an amazing read. It's um, awesome book. But it said that uh, our U.S. Army mentors who fought and defeated the Germans and Japanese in World War II told Hack would tell Hackworth that quote there are no bad units, only bad officers. So you might not be an officer, right, in the military or wherever, but you're still an officer over yourself, if you will. Like, you're still in charge of yourself. And I think all of us have boat crews like this, two, what was it, two and six? We all have those boat crews in us, right? We have parts of our life, we're just crushing it. We're, like, getting it and getting so much done, but then we have parts of our life where we're like, oh, let's just (laughs) punish them and ignore them and treat them like terrible people, right? Even though it's still our own self, right? So I I think there's part of this to look at your own life and say, what am I doing well? What leadership am I doing well that, you know, maybe it's you set out and you scratched out a morning routine and you're like, okay, I'm getting some things done. I'm getting some traction here. But you look at this other area of your life, you're like, oh, this is just chaos. This is just whatever. So I think we have boat crews within us doing all kinds of different stuff, and some of them are succeeding and not succeeding. So I think, first off, we have those in our own life. Then I look around. (laughs) I look around this household, and I'm like, man, we're doing some things really well. We're really doing great. And other things, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible and atrocious. So I feel like for me, again, that's part of the reason I think we're doing this podcast just for my own self, is like I just need to evaluate, hey, what's good, what's bad, how can I, just like in the story, they switched, like take the leadership that I'm doing really well in and start applying it to this other area in my life. I love, 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 love this story um, because we are all leaders. I don't care if you don't have a title at work. I don't care if you're single and don't have children. I don't care if you're not involved in any social organizations. Other people watch you, even though you're not aware. And you are having an impact, the choices that you make on other people. So I think it's so important that we all view ourselves as leaders. And then looking at this principle You know, I mean, this is just awesome for the workplace, for families, for all kinds of different areas. So I'd like to kind of break down part of the lessons that we can learn about leadership here. Okay. So before we do that, I kind of want to just say this too, since the election of 2020 is coming up for in November, um, coming up very soon, people, it's, it's great for people to vote and people need to vote. But just because you cast a vote doesn't mean you just you get to sit on cruise control for the next four years. You know, like you are responsible for that vote, regardless if your person wins or loses. But we all are responsible for the rest of our lives, <laughs> regardless of who wins or who loses. And Truman, uh, President Truman, I think it was him who, who said the buck stops here, meaning, you know what, it, it's it's up to me. It's really up to me. You know, when it all comes down to it, it's up to me. And we all need that. Like, we all need that same mentality. Like, it stops right here. Like, I am in charge of my world, and as best as I can, I'm going to navigate it. So, I think you're going to talk about some of that. Yes. So, I think I would love, I know, I would love to hear a video or audio of what the captain who had been on the winning team, when he first went over and met with the rest of the crew who had been on the losing team, I would have loved 
to have heard what exactly he said to them. But I think communication is so critical in any kind of leadership role. Um, So there is a story about um, lighthouse.com is a website that has leadership uh, and management strategies and tips and that kind of thing. And so there's a story on there where basically the team is forced to work remotely. This was before 2020. And they noticed that over some time, one of their best employees was just not really performing well. And so the manager set up a phone call with him and reached out and he just started out with an apology. He was like, I just want to start out apologizing that I have not communicated with you well, which is a great way to start any kind of conversation when you just own the problem initially. But what he found out was that the employee's personal goals had kind of shifted during that time that they had been remote. And so they weren't really as energized by the work anymore. And so as they figured that out, there were some easy ways to tweak the job to make it more interesting for the employee. And once they did that, the employee became the superstar again. And so it was all just this lack of communication um, that was solved by taking a few minutes and just having a conversation. Right. And I, that's awesome. I think part of the deal is how many times as we as parents or as you hear it at work too, I told them, I told him, I told her to do X, right? I told, I told them, you know, my kids are out there <laughs> and then they broke the window uh, the other day. And I was like, I've told them to be out there. And I started listening to myself. And here I was, I was straight up playing the blame game. Like I wasn't taking responsibility for what I had seen out there. I should have been like, hey guys, remember what we're supposed to be doing about whatever. And they broke the window and I was like, I told them not to. So just telling them doesn't count for anything. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, I told them. Um, We talked about routines and that's what popped in my mind with our kids, uh, morning routines. I spent probably two weeks going over how to do a push-up with the kids, right? And some of the older kids obviously got it. Some of the young kids we laughed at for a long time because everybody just <laughs> sprawled around the floor trying to do a push-up. And obviously we did push-up from our knees and we did, you know, all these different things. But um, it wasn't just telling them to do a push-up because I learned really quick that was useless. They grew frustrated. Um, and then as we built into, I was working with them watching them they were watching me we were watching videos on youtube how to do these different exercises for the morning routine kind of became fun it was the face-to-face communication time and it wasn't just me like yelling at them hey get these exercises done now that's what i do now because they know the standard right the what they're supposed to be doing but it was like you're saying the one-to-one face-to-face communication what's the problem here um (laughs) Here's another confession. And anytime now my kids just fail, it's it is my fault. Like it is my fault. So our one of our children is old enough to know how to tie shoes. This child does not know how to tie shoes. So the other day I about was like upset with them. And then I was like, wait a minute, idiot. This is my fault. I have not taught this child how to tie shoes. So again, not a big deal. But before, instead of just shoving all my failure on them as their fault i'm like listen here we go so we spent 10 minutes practicing shoe tying very good and i think you know there's value in that communication um for communication's sake when ideas are actually transferred but there's also value 
and having the people that you lead feel like they are being heard. Um, There was a report that the Harvard Business Review did back in 2016 that was talking about how much higher the disengagement rate was for employees who never had one-to-one communication with their managers. Um, They just disengaged and then, you know, their work productivity went down and all of that kind of thing. And so the importance of having an employee or having someone in your family that you're leading or whoever it is feel heard is huge. It makes me think about, um, I've been working with one of our kids on reading. And so we're past like the phonics stage, but we're just getting into the stage where like you read a couple paragraphs and then you answer questions to make sure the comprehension is there. And this child was so frustrated and he was angry and he was bitter about reading every day we went through this. And so I went back to him and I just had a conversation with him about, hey, I can see that this is causing you some distress. What's going on here? And he said, well, if I could just read it out loud to you and answer the questions out loud, then it would, then I would like it and that would be okay. Which anyone who has taught reading before knows that's like the ideal situation because you not only are working on comprehension, but you can hear their fluency. And so I never in a million years would have thought that that would be the solution. But when I took the time to have a one-to-one conversation and allow him to feel heard, And to say, well, this is really what I want. I was like, that is a win-win for all of us. Like, that's actually more of a win for me than the solution that I had created. Right. And to continue with that same child, he's been, that child's been reading to me. So he's been doing a good job. But when we first started, he would get so frustrated. He'd just get his, he, he would not fully cry, but just tear up. Right. He was just so frustrated. And I was like, listen, dude. You're trying too hard. You're trying to read too fast. You're trying to read too hard. And it was so awesome because just like he went, and I could just see it like just leave his body because of that one-on-one communication. So it was like, it's like both of us. We would have been terrible leaders if we would just continue down the path of, no, this is what we got to do. This is what you're going to do. So now his, his improvement in a month has been tremendous but it came from the communication you you had with him and then the communication I had with him. And so like he's like a new kid reading in a month. Because now I'm like every time he I'm like, Okay, listen, you, you mispronounce these words. Are you trying to read too fast? Do you need to relax? And he would always just oh, and he kinda melts and then he just takes off reading again. So it's awesome. Which kind of brings us to the next part is that a good leader has their team members' best interests in mind. So it wasn't that we were trying to punish the child by having him read. Like We genuinely have his best interest in mind. But I think a lot of times employees um, or people who aren't in a leadership position in an organization don't feel like the leader actually has their best interest in mind. They think the leader is only out to improve the leader's own life. And so communicating to your team that and showing that, living that out, you know, even one of these other stories um, that I found on Lighthouse.com was talking about the employer who found out that one of his best employees actually really wanted to learn to be in this other position. And he knew as the employer, if I teach this person how to do this other position, I'm not going to have that position opening up. 
So I'm probably going to lose this employee to another company. But he made the decision to invest and help teach that employee those skills that they wanted to learn. And in response, for the rest of the time that that employee was with him, they gave like 120%. Never did any of the studying on work time, you know, made sure that they had somebody to fill their position before they left. Um, So really proving to your people that you're leading that you want what's best for them. You're not trying to use them is huge. Right. And you can't fake that. You know what I mean? You can't fake that. And so I, th- I would say my last point is that there's, there's always two parts to any leadership. One is the problem, right? And maybe that's whatever you, whatever you make, the widgets you make at work or whatever, creating those is, I'd say, for example, one, the problem. But there's also the people. The people are just almost as equal amount of time. So whatever your problem is and whatever it is that you solve the problem for people out there in the world, the business you do, or your family, it's like I can relate this back real quick to our kids in the morning routine again. Um, It took the goal of solving the problem of exercise took more time for me working with the people in that one-on-one communication. This is how you do a push-up, whatever. It took me... 10 times as long as it should have in my mind. You know what I mean? Like I was thinking, oh my goodness, what? Are, this is a complete waste of time. I can't believe we're doing this. But we kept going. We just kept pushing through. Now it is so well worth it. Like you like you just told that story of the guy who's an employee and he saw what his boss is willing to do for him. So he gave 120%. And so same thing with our kids. Now that they are empowered to do this task of push-ups, like they will just go and crank them out and I'll be like, I'll hear them in the other room. I'm like, Hey, what are y'all doing? Like, Oh, we're doing pushups. Like you don't, you did your exercises early. Right. And they're like, yeah, yeah. But we just want to do some more. It's like, we have one kid who, before he goes to bed, he'll just bust out a bunch of pushups. And I'm like, dude, just, just chill a little bit, but it empowered them, you know, like this, this process. So you always have a problem, whatever you're trying to solve. Um, but then you have to navigate the people through that problem. And I feel like that's the real problem with leaders. So going back to group, uh, what was it? Team, team two and team six. Um, I think just to review, find the areas in your life where you're weak and your, your team in this area of your life is struggling. How can you take the leadership that you are succeeding in? How do you apply that to the struggling leadership? Um, and then all the things you said about one-to-one, the communication, uh, best, best, um, having the best in mind for your uh, employees or your team. What else you want to say? I think that about wraps it up. So yeah, check out the book, Extreme Ownership. That was chapter two, our (laughs) very rough interpretation. Um, But yeah, it's a great book. And I hope to cover a lot more of the chapters in the future. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that you are valuable and what you do matters. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook if you search for Less Stress Family on our website, lsfpodcast.com. You can email us, woodfamily at lsfpodcast.com or on Shauna's Instagram account, Shauna Sheree Wood. Have a blessed day. Thank you.